Welcome to episode 910 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 910 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, thanks. The mo is gone. The mo has gone, thank God. Thank it's God. Dirty mo. <laughs> dirty mo. Did he find it funny? Did, oh, did we, we not recorded? Okay, wait, well, that can be the story at the end. Okay. We've got to yeah. give the story at the end. We'll leave that to the end. Yeah. Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our awesome patrons. We've got uh, John the Falcon Fredrickson. He was out there crushing it at the weekend at a race I was organising. Tim Beastie Besant. Yeah, and then we've got Volker the Vascular Viking Vault. I think he's racing, I think maybe a 70.3 in Oman maybe this weekend or coming up because I think I saw him posting that he was going off yeah, to do cool. a race somewhere. It'd be a good place to do a race. Okay, in this week's show we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week, which must be from a while ago. Yes, yep. and it's going to be a pretty short one because yep. it wasn't a lot of contribution. No, and then we've got Pro of the Week. High five, we're doing my what? first try. My first try. I don't know if we've ever done this in terms of, for us, saying our first try. I thought we may have mentioned it in passing. But I'm, sure we, I'm sure we did 20 years ago. but Yeah, but I thought we might try to reinvigorate this and I might try to get some listener engagement as well in terms of just telling some stories about your first try. Actually, back in the day, people used to email it. I know, yeah. 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 Um, winger of the Week, questions and answers at the end. Okay, team, so back to normal show because we've had a couple of weeks of Legends interviews and we've had some really cool feedback on those, so thanks for that feedback. But we did have some pretty good racing here in New Zealand over the weekend. We had the Tauranga Half, uh, it was so weekend before there? last, um, we had some big rock stars rocking up and a few of them uh, faltered a little bit, so on the female side, Chelsea Sidaro wasn't able to pick up the W despite running a 118.30, which was about six minutes quicker than anybody else, but uh, good old Hannah Berry spanked her on the on the bike in the swim, uh, she had consistent split, she was second in the swim, second in the bike, second on the run to beat Chelsea Sidaro by a minute and Else Visser in third. Now in a Obviously, Chelsea's one of the best runners in the sport. Yeah. Would Hannah normally, like, because she was in the lead, she won by basically a minute. So yeah. what would Hannah do if she was smoking it? Uh, no, that was pre- pretty good. She sort of battled, I think, a bit with some injuries and stuff. But I know that was, that was a pretty good performance. Maybe c- could run a little bit quicker than that. Yep. But, um, yeah, kind of, kind of cool to be beating the world or the past world champion on home soil. And we had a great race on the boys' side as was well. Is Chelsea doing New Zealand? No, I don't. Uh, actually, no, I don't know. don't think so. It's interesting she's here. Uh, well, she's coached by Dan Plews, who lives in oh, New Zealand. Oh, okay, So, uh, boys' side, we had a bit of a sprint finish almost. Uh, came down to the last sort of 500 metres or 1K. Mike Phillips was leading, um, had a, opened up a nice big lead on the bike, but Jack Moody's a very good runner. He ran a 111.03 <laughs> to catch Mike Phillips. But Mike Phillips held on to him, and then uh, Jack Moody put in a big surge with, um, yeah, sort of inside the last K to win by 10 seconds over Mike Phillips. So, good racing in NZ. Our season is sort of... Uh, Getting into into the swing of it, We've got Challenge Wanaka coming up next in weekend after next. What's the profile like there? Yeah, not that strong. Yeah, I, mm. I remember reading it going. Mm. Okay, PTO have had some announcements. We've been waiting for them, and it looks like they've got a bit of a, a bit of a plan for the year coming ahead. So, one of the interesting races I've announced is that the PTO is going to be doing Las Vegas. Uh, what I find interesting about this race 
is the date of the race. Yeah, so it's a week before um, Ironman Hawaii for the boys, so it yeah. won't, won't affect the females, but it will affect the boys. But I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact because I think most of the athletes, or a good chunk of them that are doing the series, are going to be focusing on the series rather than maybe focusing on Hawaii. Might be wrong, but I think a lot of them will be. Um, so. You reckon? Yeah. Well, like someone like Sebastian Keenley, he's just announced he's not going to be doing the PTO series. Uh, so Keenley? Yeah. yeah uh, not Keenley. Um, Langer. Patrick Langer. Okay. So he's he's a type of guy who you're thinking probably wouldn't. If you think someone like a Joe Skipper probably wouldn't. It's those guys like, who knows what, Blumenfeld and Eden and yeah, people like that are going to do. Yeah. Um, so those guys who can switch, who are good at short course and switch between, they're going to be the ones going, hmm, I wonder. And someone like a Rudy Von Berg, who's good at both. Um, yeah, it's just a shame. If it was two weeks before, yeah. it would be great preparation. So there must be a reason for it. Um, but it's not stated. Do you think it's giving the fingers to Ironman? Mm, no, because I think people will still choose Kona. If, yeah, if they're that's, long that's course. what I think. Yeah. Mm. So, but, but, but what about those, you know, like a Blumenfeld? Post Olympics? Mm. Olympics are what, July? Yeah, or? end of July. So plenty of time to get ready for Kona. Mm. But also, if he hasn't got the field, he's got time, he's got this on, on his cards. Like, what do you, okay, what's your prediction of what he's going to pick? Uh, he'd pick Kona if, if, if that's his focus. Um, yeah. I, but the athletes must, this is an athlete yeah. lead organization. Yeah. So there must have been enough of them saying, let's just do it and we'll get whatever field we'll get. Or I'll race the weekend before Kona. It's good preparations. 100K race. I don't know. Yeah, because if they've gone two weeks before... Perfect. If they've done like two or three weeks before Kona, A, Mm. it's post the females race. Mm. Now, Millie post the Nice Championships for the females. Maybe they wouldn't want to turn up and do a race like this. But if you hadn't had a good day in Nice, Mm. you know, so you get a pretty good female field. And you'd imagine, like as you say, it's almost like a perfect day, hard training day for a race. Probably quite hot. Location's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, close to close seemed, to Kona, so it's not like you have to Seems go a little odd. And maybe they've answered why they did it, but I haven't seen so far. So, yeah, going to, it's an actually, and it's not in Vegas, it's in Henderson, which is uh, outside of Vegas. Yeah, so it'd be like saying in Christchurch, we've got this little sub town called Ashburton that's probably an hour away. An hour away. It's like, I don't know if, it, if it's that far away, but it's like, it's not, it's not like we're going to the Strip. And it looks like it's in some resort, which looks quite yeah. stunning. So that's where we, as it stands at the moment, we have uh, the Singapore PTO race in April. We have Ibiza in September and Vegas in October. The announcements on the other events are coming out tomorrow, which is convenient because uh, we record on Tuesday New Zealand time. Tuesday is always your quiet sport day. Yep. So if you're ever going to release sports releases or any or pub press releases, Tuesday's your day to do it. Well, here we go. They're releasing it Tuesday uh I guess UK time or American time, so we'll find out tomorrow. But um, And I'm sure there's been lots of gossip about where they might be and there's probably some inside knowledge, but I just when I was riding up here this morning, I was thinking, I wonder where else they're going to go. Um, and I thought, they're going to have to have a race in Oceania. Well, they said they're going to go to sort of all the regions. And I'm hoping they're going to combine it with another event. So we have, down here, we have Malulaba in Australia and usually in March, or Noosa, which is sort of a, a really late season race. So maybe they might combine with one of those two. And, and both of those are quite iconic races. Oh, huge. You know, like, because one thing PT haven't done, PTO haven't done, they haven't really tacked onto well-known events. They did no. They did it at the US. No, that's, that's incorrect. Ben. Okay, sorry. What, what, what <laughs> so did they do? This year they did it at the US Nationals, and they got a re- really good. But feedback. I mean, like you know, like a you know an iconic, legendary event like Noosa. No. Mm, that's yeah. one of the great triathlons of the world. Yep. You know, and so sure you may have tacked it onto a, a, an organised event, but I'm saying one of the iconic races. And the, the, these like it's a dial a crowd. You know, you're going to have 
I don't know how many thousand people do those races, but it would be cool if they did combine with them. So that might tick off your Oceania sort of uh, region. You'd think maybe they'll do another one in the US, and if they combine that again with the US Nationals, again you've got that crowd there and a bit of atmosphere because that's what we want to see. Um, I wonder if they'll combine one with the World Long Distance Champs, which are in Townsville in August, and that helps spread their season. They haven't really got anything sort of mid-season at the moment, and then you'd assume they're going to have to have another race in Europe somewhere. So there's this big gaping hole between April and September that's going to have to get filled up with some events. So they've got their early season and the end of season, but what's going to happen in the middle? I reckon they might avoid sort of that July period because you're going to have the Olympics and you're also going to have people really focusing on maybe Rote or Germany or something like that. But who knows? Um, It's a bit of a mystery. Have they announced the outcome of race number of races that they want each year? They made mention of it, but no, they're not saying we're having five, six or seven sort of in that range. Mm. It's definitely slow going. It is, but they want to. You're better off to announce it and get it right than uh, announce it and then start retracting. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, like we're year five into PTO. I don't know. Yeah, you know, four or five at least. Yeah, you know, no, at max maybe. But when we think it's four or five and they're still kind of slowly dripping out races, they have said there's not going to be Collins Cup. Oh, they've, they've announced it officially. Yeah. Okay. Finally. Okay. You got an email here from Annette Lee. Yes. Okay. It's uh, it's. An, <laughs> I'll read it to you. So basically, Annette Lee's got an email saying, as an Ironman legacy program athlete that has been witness to many Ironman's historic moments, it is my pleasure to extend a unique invitation to you. I am pleased to offer you an entry slot to join us at the 2024 VinFast Ironman World Championships in Nice, France on September the 22nd, 2024. This is your opportunity to take part in the female-only event to be held in Nice on the Nice soil and to say I was there as we continue to write Iron Man's story with the very best female triathletes from around across the globe coming to their test their metal on the challenging and breathtaking Colt to Azur course in 2024. Now, has Annette done the legacy slot before? Uh, she's done Kona. I'm pretty sure it was through Legacy. I can't remember actually if she qualified or she got it through Legacy. So, uh, is but this she's, she's, you know, I'm, I'm not sure it was through Legacy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. So, mm. does this mean that they've opened up to people who've had Legacy in the past? And yeah, yeah. Yep. If you've done Legacy in Kona, come and be a Legacy athlete. So, in, is this because it's struggling to get people there? Well, that's how you read the it. Positive side of it, you'd say this is great. It's encouraging participation. We're rewarding athletes that have supported our organisation. The cynical side of it, you just say it's a straight up money grab. <laughs> So you can kind of choose which path you want to go down. Um, but is it also a money grab because they're not getting people? Oh, they, they, there's no way they're going to get huge numbers there. Yeah, but we said that Kona wasn't going to be as big. Mm, let's see what happens kind of next time around. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, the way I view it is it's a straight up money grab. But they want to get as many people there as possible. And so you can see the other side of it saying, let's reward the athletes who supported our event and want to be part of something. Can um, you recall how many male athletes did Nice? Uh, that was a, it was a reasonable number, but they really opened that up yeah. um, to a lot more in terms of um, it wasn't just like your 30 qualifying slots at races because I know that some athletes that, that finished a long way down fields got um, retrospective invites to go and do it. So, yeah, you want to have good numbers on the field, but at the same time, you don't want to devalue that qualifying experience. Well, I think we have, haven't we? Yeah, it's, I think we've you know, like, ship sailed. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, like when before the last two years, 
or the last year, no, two years, because they did the split day, didn't they, as well. Mm. So um, for before the last two years, to get to the World Championships, you had to be you know, a pretty good athlete. Mm. You know, you really, you know, sure, you, the roll down might have worked for you at some races, but at the end of the day, that, that was a badge of honour that was well earned. And nothing against people getting in it now, but it's, it's definitely a lesser standard. A, it's going to get a lot easier. Yeah. You know, which in some ways is cool, because mm. more people get to get that experience. Mm. Uh, it will be also interesting to see if that's the case, how the legacy program will be kind of diminished. Yeah, totally. Because there's still going to be some athletes who won't be able to qualify with mm. long roll downs. Yeah, so the, the legacy will still exist. Mm. But there was a period there where the legacy got a massive pile up because mm. it was just, you know, so it'll be fascinating to watch as this happens. But yeah, interesting move by Ironman. Yep, this weekend coming up, we've got a Tassie 70.3. I think it's just the second time they've had it. So in Tasmania, Australia, cool place to go. Gomez is having another crack. He did uh, Tauranga in New Zealand and his bike broke down. Um, and also Chelsea Sedaro is on the start list. So she's getting trying to get a bit of, bit of early season racing. So looking forward to seeing how those two go over there. Well, that's pretty much the news for this week, team. So let's get into the hot topic of the week. So a few weeks ago, we asked, which pro athletes do you think will break into the podium consistently in 2024 who maybe not done it so much in the past? So I'm scrolling back. Uh, <laughs> don't, you got, just, don't you just scroll very far. No, six not comments. Not a lot of interest. Okay, so let's go. Scott Horns, he's got um, 70.3. He reckons Trevor Foley will keep getting more consistent. DI, collegiate runner, uh, that can already bike well after a few years in the sport. Plus, he trains for Lionel Sanders, so they can help each other speed up the process. He is a, good, he is a great bike runner. His swim is woeful, and if he can improve his swim, he, he, it could be a good prediction there, Scott. Um, Morgan Pearson, a short course, dark horse for the Olympic podium. I wouldn't be calling him a dark horse. I'd be calling him one of the hot favourites. Never heard of him. Who is he? Uh, he's an American, uh, and he's a bit inconsistent. Um, and he raced in a, I think the US Cross Country Champs the other day, and finished very highly. Like he and was just le- a running cross country. Yeah, he was leading um, so late into the race. Uh, so yeah, he could be a real threat for the podium. I don't think he's a dark horse at all. Uh, Richard Twenty knows got uh, Hayden Wild has yet to win a World Seventy Point Three Champs, so expect him to achieve that breakthrough this year. In some ways, the fact that it's in Topol actually works to Hayden advantage, doesn't it? And the timing does. It's yeah, in December because he's going to get post Olympics, mm. so he can have a bit of downtime. Mm. He's he's not going to go to Kona, so he's no. not you know, so he can have a bit of downtime, and then if he really wants to go to this and post Kona, how many people are going to turn up at Seventy Three? Yeah, no, I champs? think he'll be a hot favourite irrespective of who turns up yeah. because whilst his swim at the short course is not the greatest, at long course it's fine yep. and his bike is great uh, and his run, he, he could be, I don't know, probably a good three minutes down on pretty much anybody um, and outrun them I'd say. So uh, yeah, if he gets it together on the day, uh, he'll be hard to beat. Okay. Uh, Norman White says, Michael Arisha. For sure, an American short course guy who has stepped up to long distance triathlon. Never heard of him, so we'll keep an eye on Michael Arishita. Okay, good old Mark Thompson's got uh, Harry Palmer, a uh, 23 year old British triathlete. Um, so, yeah, so and then the last do you know one, much about him? No, never heard of him before in my life. Okay, so. Last one I will do is Marik Zikant. Um, she said Nick Heldorn, and I, I imagine he, there used to be a good Dutch athlete. Uh, something held on, I can't remember his name now, it's probably his son, and another Dutch athlete I imagine, uh, Marlene De Boer, so look out for those two. 
I had a quick look through the PTO uh, rankings just to see who I think might be moving up. Some of these athletes you may have heard of, some of them you won't. Lucy Byram, she um, is a British athlete who I reckon might step up a little bit. She did finish, I think it was fourth at the PTO US, where did she get? Yeah, fourth at the US PTO Open. Um, so, but she had she had several wins at sort of challenge races. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see her step up um, on the female side. Another one that you probably haven't heard of, Anna Bergsten. Uh, she is from Sweden, uh, and. Why I like the look of her is she had some of the fastest run splits at, at her races late in the season. She did the 70.3 in Bahrain and uh, good field there at Cat Matthews and the likes and she had the fastest run split there by quite some margin. Uh, she ran a 117.20 which is basically two minutes quicker than the like of Cat Matthews who's a bloody good runner. So that's my two females, Lucy Byram and Anna Bergson. And then on the boys' side, um, Yuri Kulin, uh, probably pronounced that one wrong. Uh, he had some very good late season form. He did win a couple of races. He won Challenge Mallorca and Challenge Barcelona. And at one of those races, I think he uh, outdid Alistair Brownlee. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so in Challenge Mallorca, he won that and beat Mathis Murier from France and Alistair Brownlee. So when you're beating those two, um, Again, second tier race, but um, he could be one to watch out for. And then the last one I did was a guy, Mark Dubrick, who's an American athlete, done quite a lot of short course, very good swimmer. So he's ranked on the PTO rankings number six in the swim and number nine on the run. But his bike is pretty crappy. He's ranked number 100. So if he can sort out his bike, uh, he should be pretty competitive. And he did manage to do that late season. He had some podiums at uh, Indian Wells and Los Cabos, but he hasn't really done it at any of the big races. He did get eighth at the 70.3 World Championships. And if I look at his bike split there, let's see what he did. He got eighth. So he had the third fastest swim. And he had the second fastest run, Jesus, and then he had the twentieth fastest bike. So if he could have knocked off a couple of minutes off his bike time, uh, he would have been right in the mix for the win. Here's a question for you: of the older athletes, kind of on the last legs of their career, who sorry, do you? Th- sorry, the guy, the guy who had the fastest runs to the day only finished in twenty second place. So yep. So, like a Brownlee. Who do you think could pull off a great performance this year? Uh, who have we got? I think Brownlee's gone ski. I think Gomez is gone ski. Uh, Patrick Langer's still got it in it for a long course, not not yeah. half iron. Sanders? Man. Sanders? Nah. You think he's gone? Nah, I think he's gone. Uh, he'll he'll you know he'll get some good podiums and stuff, but he said he's focused on Kona. Can't see that happening. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I would say of the of the old guard, Langer's still the one that can bust out a run like we saw him do in Nice, and he, you know. Got second in Nice, yep. and he's certainly one of the older athletes. So Langer, despite me riding him off for years, I'm picking him, so he'll probably do shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brownlee, you don't reckon he's got one more race in him? No. Nah. He's history. He's broken. He, he, he could lead for uh, 10K of the run somewhere. Yeah, it was a bit like that PTO in, in yeah. Ibiza, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, don't doubt that. But what about Jonathan Brownlee? What's happened to him? Uh, he's still trying to get to the Olympics. It's going to be a very interesting... So many countries, the selections for the Olympics are going to be really, really interesting. So um, the spot, the number two spot for the Brits, I don't know if they've got two or three. If they've got three, he'll probably get in. But if they've got two, 
they've got one guy that's coming through that's absolutely killing it, this guy Hugo Milner. Uh, I'd certainly be picking him in front of Brownlee. Yep. Um, You've got to be looking at Although Brownlee's well. good for your relay, so you've always got to... Why is he good for you instead of Hugo? Uh, this guy Hugo's just a weapon runner. Okay. Uh, and Brownlee's got the full swim bike run package. But not a good enough runner to get a medal yep. in the individual race. So, and we've got an, just so many countries have got their their second and third positions are going to be very, very controversial. How many countries get third? Three. Uh, not many. Maybe just off the top of my head, maybe three or four. There's not many countries. Why have it? Sorry. Why have the third position? Because they're the best. You want the best athletes in the world. But, yeah. but the Olympics isn't that. It is. Well, no, because some countries won't qualify three and yeah, but most it, it gets the majority of the best athletes in the world. But you got it like France, for example. They've probably got if you took on the guys' side, they've probably got five guys in the top fifteen in the world, and so, so two, just, two are going to miss out. Yeah, um, and the Americans and the Brits, it's a pretty similar sort of story. And the females, they've probably got four or five in the top fifteen each. Um, in France and so yeah so there's going to be so you do want those countries to have three yeah definitely and then you don't want the weaker countries to have more More than one spot because then you start getting some can you only get some countries only get one spot oh yeah yeah, so you've got a bunch that get three a good bunch that get two and then less countries get one okay Mm. Mm. it's interesting stuff isn't it Um, okay yeah it'll be interesting to see there'll be the odd performance this year Mm. you know like that last year when um uh, not last year, the year before, was it two years ago, when uh, Keenley got like six in Kona. Mm. You know, and he was kind of at the end of his career. Then, like, I know last year he had the tour year, but that was kind of more of an and, experience year. And then on the female side, what are we going to see there? Can Daniela Reef pull out one last I race? think she can. I think she probably can. Yeah, because look at her, who was it, wrote last year? Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Just, she gets it together on the day. Yeah. It, that's that's Daniela nowadays. If it mm. happens, it happens. If not, it's not happening. It's mm. like it's it's black and white. Yeah. You know, is there any other old athlete um, in the female game? Yeah, there's a few, but I think that, you know, you think about someone like a Sarah True, you know, she could be there or thereabouts. You've got to call Annie Hauger an older athlete. She's 40 now, <laughs> but she can still do it. So. Yeah, I think the females are a bit more resilient than us boys. Well, they, they but historically they've lasted longer. They mm. they, they get that last they couple of years. Last yeah, than <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> okay, uh, this week's discussion is: if you could pick one iron distance race to do anywhere in the world, excluding Rote or Kona, I just didn't want everybody to answer Rote and Kona. Okay, fair enough. Uh, where would it be, and why? So we want to see where you want to race your Ironman races. Okay, you got a quiz for question. We have, how many Ironmans has Chelsea Sodaro done? World champion the year before last, down here in NZ, doing a bit of racing in Tasmania this weekend. She's yeah. a little older too, isn't she? Um, she's mid-range, I think. I'm yeah. not going to speculate there. We'll have a look at a moment. Not old, old, but she's not a young I'm going to say she's she's definitely over 30. Okay, basically going to pull it up. No, don't, because then you no, ruin your answer. She is 34. 34. So I'd say it's a little bit older. Yeah, a little bit older. Yep, yep. I, I'm not looking at the results. So how many Ironmans has Chelsea Sodaro won? We know she's done one. How many more? Oh, she won the big one. Okay, then let's get into Pro Ooh, of the week. week. Okay, we're going to be looking at a couple of pros this week. We're looking at uh, on the females. We're going, we're going the athletes ranked 20th. And the reason I chose 20th was because the PTO series that's coming out sounds like there's going to be 20 athletes on the male and female side. So I thought, who's tw- currently 20th? What sort of athlete are they? And... 
it's obviously going to roll quite a bit further down than that because you're going to have people like Keenlay. He said he's doing the PTO race. I don't know where Joe's. Oh, Keenlay. You keep saying Keenlay. Oh, Keenlay. He keeps being in the news. Langer said he's what's not the, doing Keenlay in the news? Uh, he did some event at the weekend and his retirement tour has just gone on and on <laughs> and on and on. And he keeps popping up on my Facebook feed, giving away a bike. And I'm like, geez, you've retired. Go away. <laughs> you're you're a nice guy. Everybody loves you. 20 years from now, it's like, come on, Keenlay. We get enough. it. <laughs> but yeah, they said they're going to invite the, the top 20 athletes and then I guess it will roll down based on, on the rankings. So currently 20th on the female side is Lisa Norden. What's really interesting about Lisa Norden is, man, she's talked about, well, she's 39, she's definitely in the last stage of her career, but man, she's had a long career, hasn't she? She has. You know, she, did, she did the Olympics in 2008. Mm. You know, so it's like 16 years later, she's still racing. Yeah, and she's definitely racing for quite a bit before that as well. So she's 39, she's a 2000 and 12 world champion and also in that year the Olympic silver medalist that was that was basically that was a, a nose finish. here wasn't it yeah yeah man that changed your life silver yeah it's fantastic gold the difference between silver and gold and depends your on your country but yeah Sweden wouldn't get that many medals at the Olympics yeah so yeah she's so she's a really really good short course athlete we've talked about her quite a bit before she's currently ranked 21st in the swim 11th on the bike and 71st on the run and that's what I find really surprising is yes she's ranked quite highly and yes she's had some really good results and won Ironman races and so on but her run has typically been what's led her down and coming from a short course background you'd think your run's going to be your, your weapon so she got second at Ironman Australia, Western Australia this year got run down running a 311 um, last year yeah. Ironman Hawaii she only ran a 311 um, She got a 5th in, in Kona in 2022 yeah, but again, running a three twelve. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, uh, but but a fifth. Yeah, no, it's it's good. So she's had some really good results, but I think it's sort of I, I don't know. I kind of would have expected a bit more um, from her. So still killing it, still winning races, still very competitive, and still a weapon on the bike and someone you always talk about. But you know, if you're talking about some of those older athletes, do you think she's going to win some of the really big races? I kind of think maybe not. Um, finished fifth and wrote again three thirteen. So. You know, these days you've got to be running well under three to be competitive and winning races. What's really interesting, John, is you're talking about this. I've been kind of scanning down the page. Um, oh, she once ran. No, that must have been shortened race. Uh, she's never really ran a fast marathon in an Ironman. Any sub three? Based on anywhere? what we're seeing here. Yeah. So I see 311, 311, 310, 313, 323, 312, 318, 315, 316. So she's been consistent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but, but, but she should be running close to three. 255, yeah. if not quicker. With you know, When you think about her 10K speed, she just doesn't seem to be able to translate. And let's say she had. So the Ironman Kona in 2022, if she ran 15, let's just say 15 minutes faster, let me pull up the results. So if she ran 15 minutes faster, she would have got second place. Yeah. You know? Again, she was in contention off the bike, I remember, last year as well. Um, and, yeah, if we say 10 minutes quicker in Kona last year and run, basically run a three-hour flat, that would have got her in the top five as well, sort of just in front of Daniela Reef. Mm, so, so, yeah. So great athlete, awesome. Massive uh, career. Massive career. Um, Gee, she's a lightweight. She's only six, six five centimeters. I've shrunk, John. Yeah, yeah, because I had my healthy man check recently. Yeah, I've always been one eighty one. I'm now one eighty. <laughs> I'm getting old. I've shrunk. Oh. So she's only five centimeters shorter than me, and she's twenty kg less weight than me. Well, she's yeah, she's the same height as me, and uh, I, don't, I don't want to get on the scales at the moment. <laughs> but she's at least ten kg. She's lighter than me. 
Yes. Uh, yeah. There we go. So Lisa Norton is our, fir- our female pro of athlete of the week. And then the males, our 20th athlete is who? Gregory Barnaby. A lot of great name. A, a lot of you guys will not have heard of Gregory Never Barnaby, of and he's an Italian athlete. Doesn't have an Italian name. Um, we have talked about him once before because I looked up. It was a couple of years ago. He was pro of the week, but so often the, the European athletes sort of go under the radar because a lot of those Euro, Euro races, the challenge ones, and so on, they don't get anywhere near as much coverage as say a seventy point three St George, where the field's probably weaker than what it is at a, at a challenge race in Europe. Um, but the world doesn't make take as much attention to, to these races so um, Gregory Barnaby it's pretty hard to find much out, out about him his three scoring races to get his 20th ranking this year were from the Ironman World Championships in Nice from the US PTO race uh, US PTO Open and the 70.3 in Bahrain and he finished fifth there he finished eighth at the World Championships in Nice and he finished uh, ninth at the US Open so really goes to show that no big performances there. He hasn't raced very much this year, um, but you go to those big races and you get yourself a top 10 and you're going to have a pretty high ranking. So good on him. Uh, he could be one of those athletes that sort of breaks through and, and into the sort of top five a bit more consistently this year. But if we look at his result in Nice, uh, no, the US Open, he had the 14th fastest swim, uh, the 18th fastest bike and the 8th fastest run. So he comes from a short course background, did a lot of racing for Italy uh, at World Triathlon events and so on. He Last year he actually won the Italian Duathlon National Champs. He still did the sprint distance champs where he finished 15th and the, the sort of Olympic distance champs he finished 8th. Um, but yeah, doesn't have a much of a social media profile. Nothing about him on the PTO oh, oh, page. He has a pretty good social, oh, he has a pretty good oh. Instagram page. Is he? Yeah, not a huge following. Oh, no, 4,000 is decent, but he's actually pretty good at putting good photos up. Uh, and on PTO, so he started triathlon in 2000. Um, 20 years later, he's still doing the, the, the same gig. And in 2020, he decided to move to do long distance. Um, and so far, he's making uh, good progress of it. And he's got the Italian Ironman record that he did in 2022. And he's often nicknamed Lord Barnaby for his calmness and sportsmanship. I've got to say, I'm quite fascinated. I did not know the 20th athlete in the world. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of think, you know, like, um, listen, Norton, you were, yeah. I would have expected to have known the top 20th. Like Joe Skipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like or, you know, because so, it's either coming forward or going backwards, mm. you know, but yeah, I'm just surprised I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So there are, there are pros of, of the week. week. Okay. One, two, two three, four. High five. five. Okay, so what we've got here is I had an athlete forget his bike shoes at a C category race on the weekend, so it didn't really matter, but frustrating nonetheless. Everyone should add these easy fix problems to avoid them happening to you. I've done that before. What did you forget? Oh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I've turned up in, the, I remember the, the Timu triathlon when I forgot my running shoes. Yeah. I forgot my cycle shoes, but it always works out. Well, it doesn't for in this case. You oh, didn't have any bike shoes, so you couldn't do the bike. No one ride. has to be a pair. Sorry, no. I mean, you got to have the right cleats and the right size combination. What? 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 what, what shoes. Sorry. Well, this was at the Corsia Bay race and it's hills. And uh, oh, my, well, my bike on sand shoes. Yeah, but my advice would be, was to him is if you go and do that, you're probably going to injure yourself trying to ride 40 kilometres on a basically 100 percent hills. Yep. Uh, not worth it. It was a C minus race. C minus. <laughs> so Not even was, C. C yeah. minus. So I thought, quick high five. These are all no brainers, but I guarantee the majority of you probably don't do them. No, it it, it depends on the person. Hmm. 
Like my wife mm-hmm. will never get anything. Mm. You know, so it kind of depends. Whereas me, that's why I have my wife. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's break it down. Uh, forgetting equipment, we've just talked about that. Simple solution: have a checklist, and even if it's for a small race. And and I've got to admit, I don't have a checklist for small races. But after this incident, I'm going to. Do you know what? Do you know? What I also think, and this is because, for example, I do race commentary sometimes. And in the past, I'd think to myself, I'll get up early on the morning and sort myself out. Hmm. And it just meant I had to print off some sheets and stuff like that. And and it was a little bit just being a bit dismissive. Mm-hmm. So it's not just having a checklist, but also respecting that you need to do the process. Mm-hmm. And so like, for example, I did um, the Vine Run last weekend, the emceeing at that race. And, uh, you know, I just made sure on Saturday, I put an hour aside to make sure I did, I just mm-hmm. respected that I needed to do some prep beforehand. Mm-hmm. So it's not just having a checklist, but it's also taking responsibility and prioritizing that time well ahead of time. Hmm. Not just thinking in the morning, oh, I'll remember everything, yeah. you know. So I've got, for example, I'm doing my first race this season oh. next weekend. Oh. Uh, just a little, it's a little, again, a C minus race. I'm just doing it because I want to support the event, just go over, hit out, and uh, and I'm going to get into the routine of having a checklist, even for those ones. Because that it's often those little ones where you do forget things because it's not a high priority. Yeah. Um, but it's just a good habit to get into. There's so. that book, The Checklist Manifesto, and uh, just the value of checklists, basically. And they talk mm. about how uh, there were doctors, and they were saying these doctors, you know, because you don't surgery, you don't really want to make cock ups. Mm. So these surgeons, and they're like, can you please go through these checklists? And the surgeon's like, bugger off, I'm a surgeon, you know, like yeah. kind of. And so then eventually what they did, they started on the nurses and they made the nurses do the checklist. Mm. And then the surgeons end up doing the checklist, and it massively reduced. Didn't chop off the wrong leg. No, exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, number two. Number two, dropping bottles on the bike when they're behind your seat. We've talked about this lots before. We saw Jan Fredino do it at uh, in Nice last year. Simple solution, have a, band, a rubber band that goes over the bottles in the back of your seat and they're if you hit a ginormous hole, you're probably going to puncture and break your wheel anyway and it's going to come out. But if you're hitting small holes, probably not going to come out. Now, number three, you've got power meter not picking up. So probably another thing on top of that is having it charged. Oh, that's coming later. Oh, is yeah. that? Okay. So if your power meter is not picking up, most athletes just panic and just go, screw it, I'm not getting power for the day. Just turn your bike computer off on the fly when you're you know, a few k's into the ride and start it again and hopefully it will often fix that problem. Okay. Uh, number four is flat batteries for electric shifters or let's say your power meter as well. Yep. And I'm just, Does that happen often much in races? I am so surprised how often it happens. Really? With, like I, I only coach you know, roughly 20-odd people or so at any one time. And over the years, I've had a number of people happen. And you think, I'm thinking, how is this possible? Often it's when you travel and just shit goes on. Yep. So whenever you go to a race, always charge up your bike when you on arrival when you get there. Um, irrespective of if it's full of charge when you left, something might have happened, especially if you're flying, and just charge them up because that is pretty much race over. Okay. I mean, you can, you can get by without your power meter numbers, but you can't get by without being able to change your gears. Uh, lastly, getting a penalty or a puncture. In most cases, it's probably only going to be a five-minute stop on the side of the road, um, and it's not going to ruin your race. If you are someone that's going for a really specific time and you've only got a, a really small window, then you kind of are a bit screwed. Um, but just having that peace of mind and having in your plan to stay calm, five minutes, it might mean the difference. If, if, you, if you're losing five minutes on the side of the road, I reckon in terms of your finish time, it's probably only going to have sort of two, maybe three minutes impact, if that. 
because you're actually getting a rest. Yep. Your heart rate's going down. You're going to digest some food a little bit easier. As long as you have good energy around it. Yeah. You're like, hey, it's a, it's a hassle. I prefer it not to happen, but let's just deal with it emotionally. But you need to be prepared for that moment and just going, if this happens, I'm just going to stay calm, deal with it, and move on. And if you're a pro, five minutes. Yeah, game over. Game over. Yeah. But I, I also think um, expect something wrong to go in the race. Yeah, and this is an interesting one because. It's kind of a little bit of a negative mindset, and I agree with you. Yeah, but not, not in a negative way, but just, hey, because I remember I trained a guy called Tony to do Ironman New Zealand, and, and luckily before the race, I just said, hey, mate, it's a long day, something's not going to go to plan. So just, mm. you know, what I want you to do is I just want you to think about how you're emotionally going to deal with that moment, mm. and unfortunately, his aerobar broke, mm. and um, no, he had a bike problem. I can't remember exactly what happened, but something went wrong, and it cost him 10 minutes in the race, mm. and he said to me afterwards, I was so glad you said that to me, because it could have... Mm. Made the rest Pretty of the round. day suck. Yeah. And so it's not, not expecting as in like I'm being negative Nancy. Terribly. Yeah, it's more just like, hey, something's going to happen. What emotional state and how would I practically deal with this in the best way possible so that I can deal with the problem and get back into having a great race? Because mm. mm. most Ironman, something goes wrong. Exactly. It's part of the experience. I have not had a race, an Ironman, where something hasn't gone wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just part yeah. of the deal. Yeah. Yeah, so knowing that's the case, preparing mentally and rationally, and then and then not letting that ruin the rest of the day, because you sit in the place of oh that 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 puncher that killed my day. Oh, yeah, you know you you've got a marathon to run. <laughs> you know, so. a miserable marathon. Okay, let's get to our next section, John. My, my first try. try. Okay, we could pull back the memory the memory bank. Yours is longer than mine. I know, and the reason this prompted partly that prompted this was uh, I was race directing at the weekend. We had a race called the Canterbury Classic. Um, and that's where I did my first triathlon. It was in a place called Corsia Bay, and I'm pretty positive it was 1991, uh, almost definite on that. Um, but I had done a few little sprint distance races with some mates as teams, so I was a swimmer, but this was my first one. So sprint distance triathlon, back then um, there wasn't anything really shorter than that, and I was only 14 years old, and you'd go out there and do the sprints, a 750 swim, 20k bike, 5k run. Uh, the bike course was basically 20k's of hills with 300, about 375 metres of elevation, which for you Yankee Doodles is uh, about 1,200 feet. So very, very hilly bike course uh, and then very hilly run. And my recollections of that race back then were the swim. Triathlon wetsuits weren't really a big thing back then. You could get them. So you do more like a surface wetsuit? Um, I can't remember exactly which one I wore on this one. I either wore a sort of like a windsurfing wetsuit without the arms on, oh, just yeah, so yeah, that it went yeah. over your shoulder, or I wore a... Uh, or more of a surfing wetsuit, irrespective of whatever I wore, it was absolutely hopeless and it filled up with water. So that was point number one that I remembered. <laughs> uh, point number two, very hilly bike course. And back then, our gears, like these days, you, your sort of standard is probably a 39 tooth chain ring on the front. Sorry, where was it again? Corsia Bay. Okay, yep, yep. So 39 cha- tooth chain ring. But back then, I'm, I'm sure I had a 42 on the front and I'm sure I only had like a 21 on the back. So you're pumping some pretty big gears. These days you just spin up the climbs. Yep. Um, so I remember it being uh, yeah, hard work getting up the climbs. But I do remember this guy had the fanciest climb. I, don't, I bet your climb bikes don't exist anymore. I think they do, don't know. Um, haven't seen K-L-E-I-N-E. No, no E on the end. That's Keenley. Oh, no, it's not Keenley. Keep talking. So is it K-L? K-L- K-L-E-I-N. E- Klein bikes. I-N- 
So back in those days, the big bikes, at least down here, were probably Klein and Cannondale, um, as well as a whole bunch of others. This guy, he had like a probably an aero helmet, he had like a disc wheel, and he had a Klein, and I was this 14-year-old kid, and I was passing him, and I was thinking, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and I, my bike was uh, a, a, just this piece of shit that uh, we managed to find secondhand in the paper and did the job. Uh I can't exactly remember how I did overall, but it was the secondary schools champs and I managed to win the junior category and won a free ticket to go to the national championships. They pay for everything. Oh, really? So that was pretty cool. That wouldn't happen nowadays, would it? No. I should really try to reinstate something along those lines to help secondary schools athletes out. Um, yeah, that was my first triathlon. 14 years old, 1991. So Klein ceased... Basically shipping uh, to the United States in 2007 and ceased to the world in 2009. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah. they started in... Klein first produced his bike, so it's a guy called Gary Klein. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a pioneer in the use of large di- diameter yeah. aluminum tubes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he first produces bike frames while a student in the Massachusetts Institute of Technology during the 70s, and full production runs of his frames began in the 80s. In 1995, the company was, the company was purchased by Trek. All right. Hmm. And the original Klein factory was closed in 2002. Its production moved to Trek headquarters, widespread distribution in the United States. Yeah. So, yeah, so they were, they were bright, bright bikes, like big, really fluoro green or pink, uh, big, big tubing. And back in those days, that wasn't a big thing. It was yeah, because Cannondale and them were sort of, from memory, the only ones that sort of did the big tubing. Well, remember when mountain bikes came out? Mm. You know, because we were a generation in which you basically had like a rally or a BMX. Mm. And then you had like a road bike, mm. and then your mountain bikes came out. They were yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. They'd be what early eighties, mid eighties, mid to late eighties, I reckon. When it would I remember late eighties? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I remember getting my first mountain bike. It's a piece of crap. God, I didn't get my first mountain bike till I was about forty. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't buy a road bike as a kid. Right, I had a BMX and then a mountain bike. My first bikes that I rode were seriously old school. Like handle, you know, handlebars, yeah. sort of not not proper handlebars, and then they had the old back pedal, yeah, you know, for the brake to brake. Yeah. I lived up a steep hill, and you used to just fang it down this hill, <laughs> and then you got one single speed to try to get up. You and it's a sharp corner at the bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we had a few crashes there. <laughs> <laughs> Bevan, your first try. It's just thinking about bikes. That's such a liberating thing for a kid, eh? Mm. Getting your first bike because mm. you you know it's funny. Um, did I tell you how we walked around my neighbourhood recently? No. Oh, so a few weeks ago. Oh, so your old neighbourhood. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Did I tell you no. that? So a few weeks ago, it was my sister's birthday, and we went to, I was brought up at a place called Eddington, which is kind of like, a, well, back in the day, it was a bit of a poorer part of Christchurch. Um, and, but there's a beautiful restaurant there called Kayo. It's all you can mm. eat. You should do it. <laughs> right. Eyes lit up. But no, it's all you can eat Japanese. And what they do is it's not a buffet. Mm. So they give you a menu and it's got like 30 different things you can choose from. Mm. And at any one time you can choose maybe five of them. Mm-hmm. And then you can choose five and you eat those and you mm-hmm. choose another five. Mm-hmm. And then you, and you can do that for, you get like two hours to eat. Right. And it's not, because often buffet is crap. Yeah. But this is really good food. Right. Like highly recommend it. Mm. It's uh, Kayon, Kayon, something like that. Okay. And Eddington, highly recommend it. You eat like a dog, mm. but it's bloody good. But afterwards, we went for a walk around my old neighborhood. Um, and it was it was memory lane, because it was basically the whole family walking mm. around our old neighborhood, which is quite cool. But, you know, when you think when you're a kid, your neighborhood really is kind of like six streets. You know, yeah. like it's it's a pretty small area. Yeah. And then you get your bike. And I remember getting my bike 
my first BMX. Mm. And I got my first BMX and I rode all the way out to Halsall. Right. And my parents didn't know where I was. I just rode yeah. all the way to Halsall. Yeah. And like suddenly there's like, you know, you're driven to different parts of town, but you just, I felt, so me and my mate Jada rode all, and then one day we rode up the hill and rode on our BMXs, yeah. and Jada didn't have brakes on his BMX, <laughs> so he was using old shoe in the back, oh, and he basically, he basically just put a hole in his <laughs> sole of his shoe because he's putting his nice. brakes. But, you know, like a bike as a kid, it's such a liberating thing. Bike and a skateboard. That's all you need. Yeah, skateboard. Although I wasn't that great on a skateboard. Yeah. We once went down to Higley High School because they had the, the half pipe. Half pipes. Yeah. And my mate Chris Casey, he was really good at it. I was too mm. pussy. Mm. I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to jump. I was too scared to go in. I love a bit of skating. Did you go on a half pipe? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Not the, not the full vertical ones. Or that. I was a little bit chicken then, but I wasn't great at half pipe, but we just did street stuff. Did you? It was good. Oh, yeah. Skateboarded down Monk Spur to school. Did Zigzagging you? in and out. Yeah. Could you Ollie? Oh, kickflip Ollie, man. Kickflip Ollie. Kickflip Ollie. Man. <laughs> Jeez. Cowabunga, dude. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my first try. So interestingly, um, I'd signed up to Ironman New Zealand. So the intent was my first try was going to be Ironman New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, I knew nothing about triathlon. So what mm-hmm. happened with me was worked in a gym for a long time. Well, I've probably been about four or five years in the industry by that stage. Had kind of achieved a lot in fitness. And when you work in fitness, it's always about other people. You know, and don't get me wrong, I love working in fitness, but there's no real fitness challenge for you. Uh, and so after a while, I felt I needed a fitness challenge. So I did the Christchurch Marathon. I think I did, mm-hmm. what did I do? I think I did 246, um, which was a pretty decent first marathon. De- definitely. Um, and, but I didn't find it that challenging. No, mm-hmm. I think I did 250 or whatever, something like that. Uh, and I wasn't that challenged by it. And mm-hmm. so then I did the race. Mm-hmm. I did find the race a little bit challenging. The bike race, which yeah. is about 100Ks, lots of hills. And a good challenging race, but mm-hmm. it was a game. And then I was at my physio one day, and my physio, a guy called Grant Chiddick, and he was a bit of an endurance athlete. And he goes, Mate, I was just saying, you know, I did, did you know, I think I got like 20th in the Christchurch Marathon. So he was like, Mate, if you don't find that challenging, you need to do an Ironman. Mm. So I was like, Okay, I'll do an Ironman. So I signed up for an Ironman. Didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like my training was atrocious. Mm-hmm. I did a ten-hour training day the week before. But what did you do? Any race before I, the first time? So that I go. did. Yeah. So I did one race. Yeah. So it was at Clearwater. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, Michelle used to run those. Yeah. Uh, Who's Michelle? Uh, I'm just having a brain dead. She used to help with Epic Camps. Michaela, not Michelle. Oh, Michaela. Oh, Michaela. Michaela Reese. Yeah. 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 yeah I know Michaela. She worked with Joe for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Did she? So she run those, did she? Yeah. Yeah. Why aren't they there now? Oh, too many houses and shit. Oh. Residents. Because it was a great place to have a race. Yeah, it's like a closed sure circuit, super sprint type Because it was clear water, for those who don't know, it's a golf course with residential in it, so it's kind of like a high-end area, but it's kind of a closed-off community, um, and there's a little kind of pondy lake, lake thing there. Yeah. Um, and you got married there as well. Yeah, I got married there, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I really didn't know what I was doing. I turn up. The thing is, I was a really fit guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was stupidly gym fit. And people who are stupidly gym fit don't necessarily know how fit they are. Mm-hmm. So I turn up this race and everyone's a triathlete. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a local tri-club kind of thing. And everyone's looking cool and got all the gear. And mm-hmm. I'm literally, you know. In shorts. Wearing my gym gears, basically. Yeah. Uh, I think I borrowed a bike. Yeah. I don't even think I, No, I must have my bike by that stage. So, and I think I had a wetsuit as well. So I must have had all my gear. Swim, I think, was a bit of a disaster. Mm-hmm. Transition was an absolute disaster. <laughs> like, short course, so it was like, you know, you'd probably take you a minute or two. Yeah. Probably took me six minutes. Yeah. Uh, had an okay bike, and then I was a good runner. 
So I always had a bit of, you know, I was always a bit of a runner. Uh, and so I just was running through the field. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember, it must have been short course. So how far would it, it be? It would have been sprint. It would have probably been less than sprint. Yeah. So maybe mm. 500 swim, 400 swim. Yeah. 15K bike. Yeah. 4K run. run. Yeah. Something like that. that. Uh, but I, I was basically sprint to run. Mm. Uh, but the funny thing was, mm. I got fourth. Nice. But yeah. they called it third equal. Right. But there's no way I got. Remember, my moment, Duncan and Fraser came out of me. And uh, when the re- results were up, Bevan, and I can't remember, it was a, a pretty decent athlete. It might have been yeah. like a Tyson or someone like that. Yeah. Got third, we got third equal. Yeah. Um, and there's no way I was third <laughs> equal. Oh, bit of a timing error. <laughs> like, it wasn't even close. It was like, you, ah. you know, like it was. You know, there was a gap, you know, yeah, like yeah. it wasn't like there were miles in front of me, but yeah, there was no sprint finish or I might have been sprinting towards him. Yeah. Uh, but mate, I held on to that third equal. I'm suddenly on third equal and don't get a phrase that gave me crap. Uh, but I enjoyed it. And then I think I did Ironman New Zealand and then my next race was the Timaru. Timaru. And I had a stellar run that day. Like yeah. I think I did like 34. Wouldn't it be great though if we still had your results from those first races? Yeah. Just a shame. Someone must have a printout somewhere. Does the Tamu Triathlon still happen? No. It's a shame. It was a good race. It was a good race. Because mm. was, was it a lake? No, no. You swim down the Caroline Bay in the beach. In the yeah, beach? But it's yeah. very protected. It's like a lake swim. Yeah, it almost felt like that, didn't it? Mm. And then you went out and then the bike was... Out in the country, a few good hills in yeah. there. And then the rain, you almost ran through town, didn't you? Yeah. And it was up and down. Yeah. And I had a great... I think I got second in that race, second or third. Mm. And... um. I had a great ride. I just had a run like you wouldn't believe. I just, mm. so, you know, sometimes you've just got the ability to stay on the edge. Mm. And I, was, I remember just having that run. I was like, man, I'm just killing it. And I just was able to stay there. Yeah. That was a good spot. But yeah. So yeah. And then, and then yeah. And then I used to say my first Ironman, my first Ironman was my first try, but that was actually technically. Barefoot. I'm sure it was probably one called Barefoot Events. Was it? Yep. So there you go. It's a pity you can't do races there because that would be a good spot to do easy races, wouldn't Water's it? Water's probably rubbish now as well. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, that's a pity. Good old water quality. So I'll put a post up on Facebook, and but feel free to email through your your first triathlon. Just tell us, you know, what it was, the good, the bad, overall. Were you outcomes. instantly hooked? Um, it, it, I was because you get instant success, and that's pretty addictive. Yeah, true. And, I, and then I was straight into the tri scene because I used to be a swimmer. Uh, and moved straight from the swim squad into the tri squad, and so it was just like a seamless sort of transition. Because so at this just, stage, your swimming was kind of fading. Uh, wasn't getting any better. Okay. So yeah, I was good regional swimmer. That was about where it was gonna. And I've given it a good crack with your swimming. At that stage, were you doing any biking or running? No, no. Uh, before that race, I'd probably done a little bit, but I used to think a big training day was. Um, from home down to the Ferrymead roundabout and back, which was pro- that was my long ride. That was probably ten k, ten k's. If I was <laughs> to the Ferrymead, yeah, I know where you from can. from Reckless to ten. That was like a big bike ride, ten k's. What did you yeah. play? What other sports did you play other than swimming? Oh, everything. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Rugby, soccer, cricket, water polo. What position were you in rugby? Uh, Centre-ish, usually. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. wasn't most skillful, but I was pretty big for my age, so I just run over the top oh, of people. Really? Yeah. She's. I watched this video on YouTube the other day. The game of league and this kid. Literally just runs, they kick the ball off, they give this kid literally the 10 meter line, mammoth, but also had speed. And he just, <laughs> just like, it was like a video game, just ran through oh. the other, like probably bowled seven kids, you know, eight kids. It was unbelievable. My last tournament was the national under 15 tournament and I hadn't grown, wasn't growing and we were playing Rongatai College, yep. which is- Oh um, no, all Island Boys. Island Boys. And that was, <laughs> that was probably my last year of rugby. So like, I'm out. <laughs> It's oh, me done. Good times. Okay, then let's go into Wanger, Wanger of the week. week. 
Okay, Jumbo, well, let's go to the Let's go. We'll start. This is our first one. We're down to 24. Oh, what do we do number one? Okay, let's... Uh, it can't be right. No, that can't be right. Julia. 45 hours of swimming. That, no, Julia has not done 45 hours of no, swimming. No, So right. let's do number 24 because we're starting 2024. Oh, they've done... John, no, he's only cycling. No. Let's go to 25 because uh, that's, okay, that's what Okay, Ness Bolden. Yep, she's done 16 hours and 50 minutes of training, 5 hours and 19 minutes of swimming, 8 hours 58 on the bike, and 2 hours 32 on the run. Just stop for a second... When we think about it, it's crazy our sport. Because basically, take away sleep, that's a day. And that's only moving time. Yeah. So if you add on actual, it's probably more like a 20-hour week at least. That's a, a day in your week. Mm. Literally gone, just being mm. an athlete. Mm-hmm. Love it. And she's pretty consistent. That, although that was a, one of her bigger bigger weeks. Got um, some beautiful photos. She lives in Chicago. Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Isn't Chicago the, the most dangerous city in the country? Like the murder rate in Chicago. I've Let me look that no up. no idea. Uh, does a bit of Zwifting. She's got the form goggles in there. Did a 5K swim over there the other day. That's pretty impressive. Broken ladders workout. Uh, so that's one of the things you can do with form swimming now. You can create your own workouts as well as using their workout library. Um, so solid. 119 per 100 metre pace. Very impressive doing a 5K swim. Um, so there you go. Bit of Zwifting. She's from Illinois. And she did a 20-hour training week. And her biggest bike ride that she's ever done has been 227 kilometres. Oh, she obviously lives in a flat area. The biggest climb she's ever done has only been 206 metres. Got to sort that out. Go and go do some hills somewhere. So there you go. From the Bevins alleging, the most dangerous city in America, uh, Ness Bowden, also known as Maisie, you are our winger, winger of, of the week. week. Okay, well, she has to be a bit careful where she trains. Right. That's what. Okay, here's some stats about Chicago. So, mate, you're a legend. Love your work, Ness. You're a bloody rock star. But you should know this. Yeah. Because, okay, so New Zealand, our population is about 5 million now. Roughly, yeah. Okay, so we average on per year about 69 homicides. Mm, that's 69 too many. So, yeah, yeah, not good. Chicago, about 9 million. Yeah. So about 4 million in us. Guess how many murders they have a year, John? We have 69. 567. Too low. Oh, really? So they had in 2023, and this was a drop, so 671 murders. Mm. Jeez. Okay, gun licensing, great thing. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get political. No, actually, the government did do one good thing. What was it? Um, um, they're doing some seriously moronic things. No, but aren't they trying to get rid of the license that they brought out, the, the registration? For what? Because it's the ACT Party, the, 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 the Māori lady's bloody gun lobby. Right. She was with the gun lobby for years, mm. and now she's in the ACT Party. And they're trying to get rid of, because as a part of the, the Christchurch, what happened in Christchurch with the massacre, uh, the government brought out a registration for weapons. Yeah. Uh, and it's proven to work quite well. Um, and the ACT Party's saying, we don't need it. Oh, and so they're trying to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. All right, now I'm getting a bit angry again. <laughs> one, one that, uh, despite these absolutely ludicrous things they're doing, is they have banned phones in schools. Oh yeah, which is which is. Uh, Although now I'm going to be I'm going to be devil's advocate here because I kind of agree it's a good thing, but I've got a friend who's a genius school teacher. Like literally, mm-hmm. when he was in the, in the UK, they did a documentary on him. Mm-hmm. He was in one of the poorest schools in London, and his English department got the best results. Like mm-hmm. he's a freak school teacher, and he's like, no, we need them. They should have them. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, first of all, our job is to teach them how to manage them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tool that can actually be a really powerful tool for teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just got to learn to teach them 
how to use them. Because if we say they can't have them, they just go home and they're on them anyway. So it's like, yeah, I agree. Mm. One of the easiest ways to navigate these, this problem we have is to not have it around. But it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, totally. You know, so, and, and he, he's, in the, he's in the kind of, mm. in the real world with kids. If all the teachers like him, maybe. And I'm not yeah, yeah, totally. Because he, he, he's a freak. And like every, every kid I've known who he's taught, like, oh my God, mm. he's my best favorite teacher. Mm. So yeah, again, it's, let's not go there. Okay, so questions and answers. answers. We had a couple of emails in from people. There's there's a bit of hoopla going on in the uh, world of ultra running. Well, because Iron Man owns it. Iron Man owns uh, a lot of the ultra races around the world. So UTMB, um, which is uh, the Mont Blanc, which is kind of like the Hawaii of um, ultra running. And you've it's and really they've got branded races as well. They've got branded races all over the place. Yep. So we've got uh, at least one in New Zealand. Tauriere Ta- is owned by them. So Ironman have owned all these races, and they they kind of look like they're following a similar strategy to what they've done in the triathlon space, where they're taking over events or screwing events over, either intentionally or unintentionally, and events are dropping off. And a number of the athletes, it's uh, uh, basically or a couple of the pro athletes are saying. To, to a bunch of the other pros, let's, let's boycott um, world UTMB world champs and try to get this rectified so we're actually going to ha- have a sport that we're all proud of and, and happy to be a part of. And I've heard it from other people in New Zealand, yeah, that the runners are getting pretty pissed off with just the way that things are starting to get really commercialised on what is a sport that has traditionally been out there and low cost or just, just really chilled out sort of vibe and they're just trying to over commercialize it so it's an interesting strategy to to see what's going to happen if they can actually pull off a boycott and say do we get what do we get the was it what year was it where kona happened twice oh it was in the 80s it was like 83 was it 84 something like that and who was the guy who won the one where no one turned up uh scott tinley yeah tinley yeah so do you get that where tinley turns up was tinley was that frowned upon uh, I don't know, but... Uh, Melina, let us know, because Melina yeah. will know. Um, and kudos to Scott Melina, world champion athlete, one of the big four. He was out there marshalling at the weekend, just riding his bike, helping anybody with chains coming off and stuff like yep. that. People who would get help wouldn't have a clue, but yeah. pretty cool. One of the greatest athletes of all time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just fascinated to see if this sticks. Yeah, it, totally, the race will still go ahead and somebody will win. But you know, if you didn't, if you got solidarity between the top 20 athletes saying we're sacrificing one year... Um, to try to get our point across and see if we can make some creative change. Don't think that would ever happen in triathlon. Well, unfortunately, just... it never happened until PTO turned up. Mm. But they, know, they still haven't done a boycott of any events. No, but what we've seen this year is Ironman are putting more money on the table. Mm. You mm. know, so like what's what's happened is PTO have come up. And as we were saying earlier, PTO actually haven't been that successful yet in regards to stamping the authority on their races consistently. Mm. Like, you know, as we've been talking about earlier, you know what? We're only finding about this year's races, and we're already into January. Mm. So, um, they 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 still got a long way to go, but more money's coming to the sport. Less mm. of the pros are doing the Ironman races, and mm-hmm. what have Ironman had to do? They had to say, "Hey, we have some more money for you guys to come back to our game." Yeah. Um, unfortunately, now if we if, if we look at the history of how Ironman have treated pros in our sport, that's not work. great. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there's not enough power to, you know, there need to be a, there always needs to be another organisation come along, doesn't it? Mm. And the same thing will happen in ultra running. Then they'll be trying to just get as many people racing, have as many events, just try to maximise their profitability. And I can't imagine they'll care too much about the pro athletes. There'll still be some prize money there. We'll still sort of tick over, but I don't think they're 
working conditions, let's say, are going to improve as the sport grows and more money comes into it. The pros really have to own the races. It's like tennis, really, eh? Mm. You know, mm. when we think about it, if, if let's say all the top pros you, you know owned the organisation that put on races, mm. because pros draw do draw age groupers. Yep. You know, so if, if let's say the pros were to put on team races this year around the world, mm. they would put those together in this sport, not ours. Um, they would put team races on and, and just all the top guys went there and no one went mm. to the... What's the name of the organisation? UTMB. UTMB. People would go to those races, mm. you know, because people want to be around the pros. Yes. There is value to that. There is, but ultra running in some ways is a bit like triathlon where UTMB, so that's the one race around Mont Blanc, is like Kona. It is like iconic. It's so hard to get into. Yeah. And there's still that mythical sort of sense around it. And like you talk to most ultra runners, like, which one are you going to do? Yeah, around okay. Mont Blanc, it's like, which one are you going to do? Kona. Yeah, okay. Until you've done it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just an interesting situation. Um, I look forward to seeing how it pans out. It's funny really because, you know, we, we look at monopoly in society. So society doesn't look like monopoly. Mm. You know, it's, it's in theory, um, there's government organisations that try to stop monopoly. Now there's to a point, mm. you know, if it's monopoly in things like power, mm-hmm. you know, the government's going to say, but then some areas you can get away with monopoly. And let's be honest, long course triathlon, Mm. Ironman's got the monopoly mm-hmm. you know and in this sport here they're kind of buying up the monopoly and once you have monopoly you kind of do what you want Yeah, and that's the downfall of monopoly is that when you do not have competition you can raise prices you can you can say mm. no to the pros you can do whatever you want and so um, when you it's interesting monopolies or Ironman's kind of reaching into other worlds because they have so much capital they can go buy all these races and then they can turn the dials to their advantage mm. and obviously it's, it's rubbing the wheels the wrong way but I'm going to save this last question for next week, I think, from Skip Slade. So I'll answer your question next week, Skip. Yeah. Okay, John, let's go into the quiz question. So Chelsea Sodaro, she has done she won one Ironman. Man. No, she, she won one. She won two because she had to qualify for that one. Yeah, so she's she won Hawaii 2022 with an amazing performance. Out of nowhere too. Right? No, one was, she was, no one was in the conversation with you. Yeah. Pick her to do do all right because she was a good she's a good she's a good athlete before that but certainly not to win it not to win it no and she just absolutely she's didn't just win it she dominated the dojo so she's been around for a while do you know much of the history of her uh, she was a previously was a was a runner um, obviously and then she's got a, a child as well so she then she sort of got into triathlon I reckon I reckon she only did one I've, I'm quite happy to be wrong I'm gonna uh, say five nah I don't know. I don't know. So you're saying two. I'm going to say. I'm going to say she did actually two. I'm going to go two. She's done two, two Ironmans prior to Four. Kona. So three, including Kona. One. Oh, wait a second. That all seventy point threes. Ha. I saw Ironman. I was like, I've got this, and it was <laughs> seventy point threes. You're right. She did Hamburg. So she did a lot of seventy point threes. So in 2018, she did two seventy point threes. She was very successful in seventy point three. So in 2019, she won three seventy point threes and then got a third in Indian Wells. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got fourth in the seventy point three World Championships in 2019. Uh, 21, she only raced twice. Uh, 2022, yeah. So she did. I'm in Hamburg and then straight into it. So no, no wonder nobody picked her. Mm. She had finished. Second in Hamburg, but she only ran three hours. And then but what was the field like in Hamburg? It's not the strong field Hamburg. Let's uh, I think it was the European Championships. Laura Phillip won it. Yeah, she's pretty bloody decent. Yeah, uh, but then you look down from the rest off. of them. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was she, Laura and her. Look, Chelsea started in 8.36, and then third place was uh, 
8.52. Interestingly, she only ran a three hours in Hamburg. Yeah. And Laura Phillip ran a 2.45. And then she turned around and ran a 2.51 in Kona. So I was kind of right because I did initially said she'd only done one and then I changed my mind. So she has done three in total now because she did uh, Hawaii last year as well. But I did have a feeling she'd only done one before that. So makes it even more impressive. But she did have form leading into it. She got third at the PCO Canadian Open oh, in right. July. Yeah. She, she, she did rubbish at the Collins Cup, so she didn't actually race much. And to be honest, you know, like she had a great 2019 COVID year, didn't really do a lot. So leading into Kona, there was nothing that was telling us, because even the 70.3, she, she got fourth in the World Championship, but Santa Rosa, Augusta, Buenos Aires, you know, these aren't races that are high-level fields, are they? Yeah, yeah. So, so let's see if she can turn it around, because I know she wasn't thrilled with her performances last year. She, she got second at Oceanside, that's good. She got third at the, U, at the Asian Open, she came through with a good run, and sixth in Hawaii, I think she was... Proud of what she did on the day with what the sort of the card she got dealt. Um, she got pretty dominated on the bike. Only rode a 450 compared to say um, a 440 for Anne Haug. Um, but then came home with a 253. So she still ran really well. There so we there you go. Okay, John, let's go to your John swim set. Oh, what did we do this morning? I was exhausted this morning. Oh, yeah. We did a... 400 warm-up going 75 free, 25 back. 300 doing... Kick, drill, swim, so 25 of each. Then we did a few 50s. We did 450s freestyle, 350s breaststroke, 250s backstroke, 150 butterfly. And then our main set was 250s hard, 200 steady. 350s hard, 300 steady. 450s hard, 400 steady, twice through. And I thought it was going to be quite a short swim. I didn't do my math before I went. I think it ended up being 4K. <laughs> And I pulled myself out of the pool in the morning, and then it's right up here. <laughs> Good times. Well, I, tell you what, I don't want to get. I don't want to get sick and go have to go to hospital, Bevan, because I was thinking I have one tough day. I was race organising on Sunday. Today's Tuesday, and it's a big day when I do that sort of stuff. I get up very early, yep. and I'm thinking I don't want to go to a the hospital when these doctors are working these stupid hours and stuff. Oh, when you just realise their and, life. Yeah, you realise. I do it for one day and I'm exhausted. Yeah, so it's just a it, standard sort of day for them. The health industry is a stupid industry because they create Mental. unhealthy worlds. Yeah. You know, like how can you work I'm that sure much? You get, I'm sure you do adapt to it to a degree. Still, it's not good for you. And if you're working 60, 70 hours a week, mm. bugger that. Yeah. I struggle working 10 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's anything you do new. It was funny, I was at the gym last yeah. night and I, was, I taught a class and I had to do a little bit of weights afterwards and I was talking to a guy called Andy and, and he basically lost his job late last year and he thought, bugger this, I'm going to have a bit of time off. So he went to um, Thailand for a few months mm -hmm. and he's come back and he's finding it hard to get work. He, he's got a quality, so he'll be fine, but he's just finding it hard to get a bit of work right now. And uh, yesterday he did a full day's work and he's like, mate, I'm bugging, you know. He said, I, I, I've got no energy. I've, you know, working a full day is absolutely hard work and it's yeah. any time you do something new, isn't it? Yeah. That adaptation. Okay. Uh, let's say thank you to our patrons. Dean, the wizard of triathlon, Tillman. We've got Glenn, the red bean machine, Osman. And Gareth, Bumblebee Bridge. Okay, if you want to become a patron of the show, we really appreciate it. Uh, check out at www.imtalk.me to become a patron. Uh, yeah, it's just a way you can support us in getting the show to you each week. Also, if you want some coaching, coachjohnnewsome.com for Epic Camp, go epiccamp.com. What camps have we got on the agenda this year? We have got the uh, 
one a mini camp down in Queenstown, which is going to be awesome in April. We're doing the three peaks down there, so three big mountain passes. So it's just a three-day camp. Any Kiwis or we've got a, one Aussie coming across for that. It's going to be a cool way to sort of close out the season and go to all the ski resorts around Queenstown. I love going to Queenstown. Awesome place. That is a great space. Stay um, out of town. Yeah. Do one walk through town, you're done. Uh I have got one spot that's opened up on my France camp if anybody wants to come to Alp Duez and still got a number of spots open for Kona. So if you're starting to plan your year and want to go to Kona in late, sort of late May, do the Kona 70.3, awesome experience. You get to see the whole big island and see what um, what it's all about as well as doing the Kona 70.3, which is a great race. That sounds good. Okay. Uh, and if you're checking anything I do, bevanjamesoz.com. Uh, content or anything you want to email to us email and you get email us your first try uh, I'm podcast at gmail.com we've had some complaints Bevan why is this um, you yawning apparently did I yawn apparently uh, is it Gail I think it's Gail um, and Bonnie are both outraged when you you yawn on the show sorry so yawning has got to stop Jeez, okay I'll, what I'll do is I'll turn away from the mic when I yawn yeah I say yeah. it's really audible I haven't really noticed it to be fair um, so yeah there was a, an official <laughs> complaint <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Gail. <laughs> okay, I'll make sure if I yawn, I am up early. I do work hard. Mm. You know, mm. I'm at four forty, four thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'll, I'll do my best. I'll turn away if I'm going to yawn. There we go. There we go. John, what happened with the moustache? I don't. What stage was my moustache at when I came around? Here? Got a photo. I'll put it up on the website this week. Was that when I had the full, um, yeah, the full sort yeah, of chopper, chopper type one? No, you, you. Let me have a look. I'll show it to you. So we we went from um, a full bearded sort of look. And then for a couple of days, I decided to go for the chopper. Yeah, there you go. Oh, no, that's not the chopper. No, that's just a, that's just a proper moustache. Yeah, no, I had the chopper going. Yep. So I had that with the chops down the side. Oh, did you? Yeah, like it looked like a right tool. Uh, yeah, she pulled off the moustache. I must have told the story before we left. Did I tell you when the guy who I was taking, we were taking the piss out of saw I don't think you talked about it on the show. Oh. So there's a shop in Christchurch called Further Faster. Yep. They do all the outdoor sort of equipment and it's like your, your sort of high-end, good good quality stuff, not just getting crap online. Yep. And so the guy, one of the guys who's got the moustache who we're sort of taking a bit of the piss out of, he um, he was out of town. He was coming home for like one day and then was going down to this walk we did down the Kepler and I knew he was going to be in town for a day. I don't see him very often. And I had to go into the shop to get my last equipment. I had to get like a, I don't know, I had to get wine bladders, that's what I had to get. Okay. Some wine bladders to make sure we carry our wine on the walk. And we're in the shop and I'm getting something and I turn around and his buddy's standing in the shop and I, and, and I sort of ducked down <laughs> and I'm like, he's seeing me, he's probably going, why is he ducking down? I went over and talked to him and he's polite yep. and he didn't say anything to me about it and he's like, and his daughter's sitting there looking at me going, what the hell have you got on your face? And he didn't say anything to me. And then we turn So, what are you up. thinking at this moment? Well, the gag, the gag's done. Yeah. And I messaged my mate and said, Oh, how was it the bloody store? And he said, What? He lives at a store. You should know these things. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it was, still, it was still a bit funny when, um, when we turned up down there. And we also had some bald hats because he's bald as well. Oh, yeah. So, we had the bald hats and moustache and we both rocked up together. So, it was still, it was still a reasonable gag. He was up to the joke. He, he, oh, yeah. He yeah, was okay with yeah, that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that. So what, what did you did the route burn? With the Kepler. Oh, Kepler. So it was a good, really good walk. H- highly recommend. Um, How long? And we did it in sort of uh, two nights. So sort of three, it's a three-day walk. Most people sort of take three three to four days. Um, 
yeah, really nicely sealed. Um, just a good, if you want to, it's one step up from some of the easy ones. Okay. Yeah, you've got a fairly big climb on the first day. So, sorry, how long were we walking each day? Um, oh, sort of five, five to six hours, probably six hours. We weren't, we when weren't you're walking that much, out. how often are you stopping? Um, not that often. Yep. Yeah, not that often. Um, just, you're better off just keep moving, keep moving and stopping for photo opportunities yep. and things when like that. Have lunch. We got so lucky with the weather. Like if we'd been a day later, you basically wouldn't have been able to do it. Okay. Um, so it's perfect. Beautiful part of the world. Highly recommend. Really, really hard to get into. Um, and yeah, it was just generally awesome. Mm. Nice. But it rank, I think I did my rankings. I think it's about number four on my rankings. So what are the rankings world. so far? Tongariro's at top. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Root Burn is, I think, second. And then... I think I had Able Tasman 3 just because it was the first one and it's kind of cool. Uh, Able Tasman's not the fourth. hardest one, but it's beautiful. Able Tasman's easy. Yeah, yeah, but it's beautiful. So it was good times. Roll on the next How one. How many more you got? There's four uh, ages in there. And we're still, yeah, we've got nine. I think we've only got a, two or three to go. Next year, I think we'll probably do the Hefe, which is a biggie. Yep. Um, and then Milford. And then we've got to go to Lake Waikiri Moana in the North Island. Oh, I had booked into the Ghost Road or Ghost Road. Oh, nice. Yeah, I could get a mountain bike. So if anyone wants a mountain bike, just to leave me for a little bit. Yeah. Let me know. Um, yeah, so Porno and a couple of boys, uh, we're going to go do it. Nice. And Zach Wiggum. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Jeez, that's it. coming up a bit quick. I'll be fit enough. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's just getting the bike. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll start doing some longer rides on a Saturday. Sunday, sorry. Maybe just I, like. It's just getting used to being on the bike for a while. It's the skills for you, it's not the... the yeah, the but Kieran, we're going with a guy called Kieran, he's done it quite a few times. Oh, I know Kieran. Sutherland? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he, he was like, yeah, there's parts you'll walk just because yeah. it's a bit too skill-based. Have you written it? No, but I, I know what it'll be like, yeah. Yeah, so, we, yeah, so we're going to do that. So it'll be fun. But yeah, I've got to get hold of a bike, so... Um, but I, yeah, I, I'll do some long rides, probably just on the roadie, just to get used to being on the saddle again for a while. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fitness-wise, I'll be fine. Mm. Um, just, yeah, just get body. Like when we did that 180k, when we did the Ironman mm. weekend. I got a diet, I hit the wall with about 10k to go. Yeah. But I just wasn't used to riding for a long uh, time. Sweet. Yeah. Good times. What's been, else been happening with you? Well, I've got a, a couple of funny stories. So I went to the Foo Fighters. Did you go to the Foo Fighters? No, I did not. But no, do you like no. the Foo Fighters? Yeah, right. Oh, great live concert. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just one of those bands who deliver. You know, mm. you know what you're going to get. They deliver. They're all classed. A new drummer. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was phenomenal. The funny thing was, did you see the story about the guy who stood up naked? I heard things about it. Didn't so, you? so the funny thing was, so Dave Grohl, he's a he's the ultimate front man. Great musician, awesome to watch. You know, funny in the intimates. But so he goes, oh, I've got the song I wrote, which has got no lyrics, but it kind of means a lot to me. So I'm just going to play it for you guys right now, acoustic. So he gets in and he kind of goes inner. So mm-hmm. he kind of playing the song and he's kind of, the rest of the time he's kind of performing, goes inner. And then out of nowhere, literally probably 10 metres in front of me mm. or 10, 15 metres in front of me, the crowd starts roaring. And I must I, I didn't see it at first. And this guy just pops up and he's butt naked, mm. like butt naked on people's, people holding him. So he's not even on the shoulder. He's holding and it looked like he's playing with his diddle. Like it's actually because <laughs> he's he's obviously pretending he's playing guitar, yeah. but he's flicking his diddle as he's doing it. So, yeah. and it wasn't like ten seconds. He's like there for like the whole time Dave's playing the song, oh, and God. like the crowd's cracking up laughing, but Dave didn't see it because uh. Dave's doing the song the whole time. And then by the time he's finished the song, the guys come down. Right. Yeah, and the, the cops pulled him up, and uh, they kind of they didn't arrest him. They kind of were going to arrest him. They let him off the hook, but. It was it was pretty funny, but my funny story from the last couple of weeks. So, I got an email, I got my call from my mum going, "Did Tyler tell you what happened?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And she goes, "Oh, we'll bring Tyler and see what happened." So, Tyler, my daughter, she manages like a, a bar basically or like a pub in Australia, 
in Cairns. And she's a really good manager. She's actually killing it. She does really good at her job. Uh, and, and in that world, you learn not to suffer fools mm. because dealing with drunk people can be a pain in the ass. Mm. And so she's got a thick skin, you mm. know, and she's, as a manager as well, she's got a thick skin. And about a, about a week ago, someone was being a pain in the ass at the pub, so they were kicking them out. And as they are kicking them out, this guy turns around and spits on one of Tyler's staff. Mm. Tyler goes and picks up a chair, <laughs> throws it at his ear, <laughs> and then pushes him away. And I've got a video, I'll show you. Wait a second, give me a second, I'll pull up a video. And mate, it's a funny, now she goes to me, I go, what have got in? She goes, Dad, I, I know I'm stupid, I shouldn't do stuff like that. Just like when he spat on her, I just lost, I just went into rage mode. Yeah. And um, wait a second, mum. Um, so I'm going to show John the video. So wait a second. So push play on that. Oh, so it's, it's, it's a. Uh, so he's got the CTV coverage. So he spits. He turns around. He spits on this girl. Yeah. And then Tyler comes up behind. <laughs> nice. Picks up the chair. Throws yeah, it. Pushes him out. <laughs> See you later, alligator. Nice. Oh, so should be an MMA fighter next. Yeah, I tell you, far out. It's the funniest thing. <laughs> so yeah, but that's been my story. I'm my, I'm proud of my daughter. I've taught her well. Gosh, <laughs> threw, threw it at her head. So if you had a bar, don't spit on people, team. No, especially at my daughter's bar, you get a cheer to your head. So yeah. that's pretty much it. You never got John. No, that's about it. <laughs> Gotta go for a bike ride now. How far you riding? Just gonna keep it flat. Get the cadence up. Get myself ready nice. for. Uh, we're running next couple of weeks. What's your race you're doing? It's the Lake Crichton International Triathlon. No, international? International triathlon. What makes it international? Uh, it was a guy from Malaysia racing. Oh, okay, there you go. Uh, and it's a guy from Poland racing. Uh, so it's international. Is it actually called the International Triathlon? No. It's, it'll have like 100 people racing. It's on a Friday night. You should call it's all your races the, the International. <laughs> yeah, it's about the most low-key race you can find. Do you still do the Pick and Save? Yep. Pick and Save International Triathlon. Mm. We have a lot of experts down here. I have a Monday night running group, and um, a couple of weeks ago, we maybe had 20-odd people there, yep. and like seriously, there would only be one or two Kiwis. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's good stuff. Right, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.